Hey guys, it's your boy Vinny B from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news, all TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right, TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. Yeah, welcome back here on a Metal Friday. It's the morning tailgate on Raider Nation Radio. Good morning, everybody. Clay Baker, Vinny Bonsignor here with you. In our final hour, we'll get a chance to talk to Asia Wilson, the MVP with the Las Vegas Aces. She'll join us at 930. We'll also get a chance to do a little uh, NFL injury talk with Dr. Shaw. That comes in around 945. 69187 is the Ash text line. And you can hit us up on Twitter at RNR 920 AM as we broadcast live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studios. And joining us now is Ricky Brown, former Raiders linebacker, and he's currently the special teams coordinator and quality control coach with the fourth-ranked Cincinnati Bearcats. Ricky, good morning to you. Thank you for joining us. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. Glad to be here. Well, I, I got to ask you, before we get into some Raiders talk, I, I got to ask you, you know, last year you were coaching Ohio State, but now you're back home in Cincy. And what is that like for you to kind of walk into the legendary Nippert Stadium coming off a program that had 13 wins and all this great national publicity? What's that like for you to be coming home now? You know what? Cincinnati's always been a football town. Yep. And being born and raised on the west side of the city, um, when those Cincinnati coaches go out and they recruit the areas of Ohio, Indiana, Kentucky, Illinois, Michigan. When they recruit that 300-mile radius and they bring in those kids, it's something special. And Coach Fickle, I mean, he's doing a great job. He's got a very tough program where the kids, they earn everything. Nothing's given to them. So it's really special to be back in my hometown and be able to work with those kids and work on that staff. So we're excited. Ricky, um, and we're going to get to Raider Talk here uh, in just a little bit and the connections that you still have uh, with the organization. But um, I got to imagine, um, and I got to ask you this too, you know, with the Raiders, we see Divine Diablo come in as a safety, now transitioning to linebacker. We're seeing that more and more. Uh, and nobody knows linebacker better than you, uh, having played that position. How um, drastic has that position changed uh, over the years, not just here in the NFL, but also in college football? Yeah. Well, I think first and foremost, you've got to be able to run. And you're seeing a lot of guys where with the advent of the RPO, or not the advent anymore, but probably RPO is happening for the last 15 years. You really want heady football players. So you're starting to see that big safety kind of move his way down to about eight or nine yards off the line of scrimmage. And you're seeing him have a great feel and he's playing the cat-and-mouse game with the quarterback. But as that downhill running back rolls into that C-gap, D-gap area, that guy's got to be able to go smack that running back and get him down. So I think you're really starting to see some guys that end up playing that hybrid safety linebacker position, then they may lose a little weight, play safety in the NFL, or gain a little weight and play linebacker in the NFL. 
Ricky Brown here with us from the Raiders and uh, now with the fourth-ranked Cincinnati Bearcats here on Raider Nation Radio. Can you speak to the college concepts that have happened now on offense? Because you see it pervading now into the NFL each and every year. More and more influence starts to come in from the college game. How has also that kind of translated into how teams on defense need to kind of like bolster up in the front, kind of building a wall? Patrick Grant, the defensive coordinator, has brought up with that building a wall and set the edge. Therefore, you start kind of changing and dictating what the defenses can do to kind of stop what the college concepts have been doing and running amok in their spread offenses all over the NFL. Yeah, well, since since the beginning of time, all great defenses start with a big-time edge being set. So with Patrick Graham doing that, I mean, that's, that's first and foremost. That's his pedigree. That's how he grew up in the business, listening to guys like Coach Belichick preach about edge setting. Now, that edge could be set from a D-end, or that edge has to be set from a detached nickelback or potentially an outside linebacker. But I'd, I'd, I'd be willing to guess that they're preaching that, and that's the utmost deal, is to set that edge and then build a wall inside. In, in the college game, also, we talk a lot about having different levels. So we got the D-line, which is aggressive, and you got this linebacker area that can still be pretty aggressive, and then as you move further back, you have less aggressiveness and probably more patience. So, like, you'll see three to four different levels of defense where as that RPO happens, you got your patient players working to tackle or break up a pass. Or as that ball winds out into the alley in a C or D gap run, you got those patient players there to go tackle it. Ricky, full disclosure, I'm kind of a recruiting nut, uh, so I really follow that uh, part of the game, and I know that you know you're you can't talk about recruits and things like that, and I'm not going to ask you about that. However, um, as I look at the rankings, um, I'm I'm just being straight up. I see Cincinnati way up there on the on the recruiting rankings uh, in this particular cycle. Uh, you've coached at Ohio State, you've coached at USC. There's there's schools that you know uh, can recruit themselves without a doubt, um, but how much? In your in your interaction, uh, you know, going out there on the recruiting trail, how much do you think the success that Cincinnati has had over the last few years? Um, and it's been a storied program, uh, without a doubt. Uh, there's been some great coaches that have been there and, and left to go to other places. Um, so it's been a storied program in a lot of ways. But it just feels like it's really growing right now. The fact that. Uh, the Bearcats made the playoffs last year and broke through that little cla- glass ceiling. Um, it, has that re- um, resulted in how players are, are, are looking at Cincinnati, the program now? For sure. And, you know, Coach Fickle has tried to not just have a top 10 team, but he wants to have a top 10 program. And talent acquisition, a.k.a. recruiting, you got to you got to bring the right clay in to work with. And we had, we had nine kids at UC drafted this past yep. draft. And <laughs> those kids were three-star kids, but they were developed. Coach Fickle's been obviously very good at figuring out the kids that are going to make it and develop and have that edge because – we want to bring in guys that are ready and willing to work and we'll tell you what to do. And eventually three or four years later, it's going to be a good time for you as you're transitioning to the NFL. 
So I think that whole piece of getting developed at a place, being taught how to play, use your hands, being taught different schemes, those those qualities don't go on at every college. They definitely go on at UC. I mean, I've been I've been blessed to be at UC for three months right now, and it's just been, I mean, it's great learning for coaches. It's great learning for players. Everybody's kind of rowing in the same direction. So I've enjoyed my time, and obviously my parents still on the west side of Cincinnati. They're excited about that, too. I can imagine. Oh, that's great. Yeah, you could go back to Elder any time and, uh, and hang out with the, uh, with the staff. But it, it's, it's fascinating for Vinny and I to look at seeing like how great the recruiting has been because not only are you beating other uh, major schools you know, regionally, but you're winning the state of Ohio. Uh, what's that like? Is that now you're, because it's the system that is attractive to the players? You know what? Um, there's a lot of Ohio guys on the staff. Coach Fickle grew up in Westerville in the Columbus area. I'm a Cincinnati guy. Coach Combs is a Cincinnati guy. Mm. I mean, Kerry Combs has been a high school head coach where he ran triple option at Coleraine High School, and he is he is a West Side legend. <laughs> um, he has done such a good job, and he is a total football guy. I mean, he then went on, coached at UC, coached at Ohio State, He's an Ohio guy through and through, spent time with the Tennessee Titans, coaching under Vrabes. I mean, he is a Ohio legend. And Gino Gadouli, who's our offensive coordinator, he grew up in northern Kentucky right across the river. So you got guys that are very familiar with those areas. And I think that's why you're starting to see some of that success with the Ohio kids. Speaking of Ohio kids, uh, the Raiders uh, drafted an Ohio kid, an Ohio kid through and through uh, in Thayer Munford. Uh, he's pretty much spent his whole life uh, uh, there uh, um, uh, in, Ohio, in Ohio, and you got to know him intimately last year uh, working at Ohio State. What kind of player are the Raiders getting in Thayer? They're getting a great player. He's got tackle and guard flexibility. Um, and then that's, that's who he is athletically. That's who he is as a football player, but as a person, He's fantastic. Stayed in college to graduate. Wore Blocko, the number zero. Now being an offensive lineman, he only wore it in warm-ups. But he had that honor at Ohio State, which is a huge honor. Um, every dude on the locker room respected him. Off the field, engagement in the community, he's that type of guy. So you're getting the total package there with that kid. You know, when you were bringing up all these great Ohio names, you know, Josh Ziegler, I'm sorry, Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler, you know, they, um, they, they are uh, quickly becoming, you know, you know, part of this great uh, tree that has come out of the cradle of football from Ohio. What anticipated changes do you expect that they can bring in a short amount of time? Because already in this offseason, we see some real changes of philosophy and mindset taking place. What would you expect on the field that this team will look a little different from one that won 10 wins a year ago? Yeah, well, I mean, that's that's Northeast Ohio for you. And coming up, growing up as a Southwest Ohio kid, Northeast Ohio is the exact same. You know, what Akron is to Cleveland, Dayton is to Cincinnati. Now, the one yes. thing Southwest doesn't have is they don't have that Youngstown-Warren corridor. <laughs> and I'll say this, there are football guys there, total football guys. Shoot, I remember when Coach McDaniels, father, the original Coach McDaniels, was coaching at Warren Harding, and we hopped on a bus leaving Cincinnati, Ohio, 
to go play Warren Harding, and we thought we were rock stars on that five-hour bus ride. And cool. All of a sudden, we were we showed up, and Maurice Claret ran ran for about 150 yards on us. <laughs> Ricky, you you mentioned Ohio, and I got to ask you because there is uh, deep Ohio roots here, uh, as as Clay mentioned with Dave Ziegler uh, and, and and Josh McDaniels, and it's it permeates not just here, but across football, really on all levels. Uh, you talk about John Carroll University, some of the other uh, great Ohio State, obviously, uh, the lower-level schools that have produced so many coaches and general managers and scouts uh, on, on all levels of football. What, what's going on with the water in Ohio? What's, what's this, where does this all come from? Well, there's something in the water, definitely in those spots. It was funny. I was at Boston College. I was recruiting a kid out of Menor, Ohio. And, which is basically Cleveland. And he's a wide receiver, and I had our wide receiver coach with uh, with me because he wanted to see him. So we're out there watching the team work out, and the wide receiver coach goes, man, even the kids that aren't college players, they all have ball skills. But in that state of Ohio, especially, you know, driving up 71 from Cincy through Columbus to Cleveland, I mean, there's some good... Sports are, sports are very important in that state. And it's not just football. You know, it's playing basketball. It's playing baseball. It's doing a ton of sports. So that, there's been a ton of, in, ton of engagement from youth sports, and then that transitions to high school. I mean, playing through high school is a big deal in the state of Ohio. So naturally, you start seeing all these people. You know, you can't play forever unless you're Tom Brady. But those, those former players become coaches, and they become scouts, and they become GMs because they love the game because they know what the game did for them. It's fa- it's fascinating stuff, and we absolutely love your work, Ricky, over there at Cincinnati, and we're excited for you. But you know, lastly, can you explain when you bring up the word family, like in Ohio, can you describe for uh, Raider Nation what it's like to be part of the Raiders family? Because this team absolutely loves it when alumni can get together, especially now here in Las Vegas. Yeah, well, well, I'm I'm talking to you from the Raider facility right now. I'm in a conference room, looking out onto the indoor facility, and it's. It's beautiful, and they they got us back here to to work a fantasy camp with one of my good buddies, and they do such a good job with bringing the former players back mm-hmm. and keeping everyone plugged in. Because when you're a football guy and you're done as a player, that passion for the game is still there, and I think Mr. Davis and his crew do a fantastic job of honoring the past and keeping the past plugged in, which is fantastic. Ricky, it's absolutely fascinating to have you on. Thank you again for your time. We know you're busy. Thanks again. Let's do it again soon, and we wish you the very best in the Queen City as you return back to the the Bearcats. And uh, the the nationally ranked Cincinnati team is absolutely uh, on a major role. Thanks so much. Thank you, Ricky. With us. Uh, Fascinating conversation, especially with the way he described you know, how defenses are now 
changing and what it's starting to look like and mirroring what you would see in college as he brought up like we set teams up on defense for different levels you yeah. want aggressiveness on that defensive line but the aggressiveness will start to fade in comparison to where you are at on the field because you definitely want to make sure that you have more patience in that secondary to start making plays and becoming playmakers and intercepting the ball yeah uh exactly and uh you know just just hearing also about those those ohio roots you know cincinnati he went to boston college <laughs> A guy by the name of Luke Keegley went to high school in Cincinnati, then went on to Boston College. And I'll, I'll never forget, I'm a huge Notre Dame fan. And I'm driving someplace. On, I think I was going to cover a USC game. So I'm driving L.A. There's traffic. You know, I'm listening to the Notre Dame game on the radio. And in the pregame show, they were talking about Boston College wasn't that good that year. They were like, but there's a good de- defensive player, young linebacker by the name of Luke Keegley. I'm like, all right, Luke so I'm, as I'm driving, you can and if you listen to the Notre Dame telecast, you could hear the the announcer in the stadium. All right. Yes. Uh, after, okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, twenty six yards for you know. So uh, <laughs> this is I, honest to God. Tackle by Luke Keegley. Keegley on the tackle for Boston College. Luke Keegley with the tackle. Keegley with. The, I'm like, who is this Luke Keegley guy? And then lo and behold, he had to play like 27 tackles, I think, in that game. And I'm like, this guy has to obviously be pretty good because it was sideline to sideline. And then of course, you know, he goes to the Carolina Panthers and really, I, I would imagine, is going to be in the Hall of Fame at some point. But there's something in the water when it comes to Ohio, and it's all levels. Um, you know, as far as. Uh, whether it's the Division Three level, Division One, uh, Cincinnati, Ohio State, you know, uh, there's there's something going on there, uh, and and it's great for football. Now, obviously, Canton, Ohio, the Hall of Fame is in Ohio, and that's probably pretty appropriate. Oh, absolutely. And uh, what what about that when he talked about you know uh, when he was playing for uh, West Elder in, in Cincinnati, and when yeah. they had a chance to go and play Warren G. Harding High School, and the original coach McDaniel's, they felt like rock stars on that five and a half hour bus ride. Long ride back. North Coast. Oh, it is. Especially when you get thumped. <laughs> exactly. By Maurice Claret, who ran wild all over him. <laughs> right. You know, when you start really putting it all together, Sean McVay uh, went, went to uh, college in, in Ohio. He went to high school in Atlanta. Uh, but, but you know, he went to, uh, what was it, Miami of Ohio, which is another hotbed for coaches. I know John Carroll University has their thing going on. But, you know, Miami of Ohio also has its, I think Don Shula was there. Like, it's like this whole long list of great coaches and executives. I don't know what it is. Is that they're doing, uh, but there's great pride. I know Tom Telesco, uh, the general manager of the of the Chargers, another John Carroll University guy. Uh, it's just some something um, that they take great, great pride in seeing everybody that's gone to that university uh, be able to to graduate to to go on to do great things like Dave Ziegler, like uh, Josh McDaniels. So uh, it's a close knit community. There's no doubt. But the original coach McDaniels was Josh McDaniels' dad, and you know what? Josh McDaniels will say the same exact thing. Oh, he will too. And his father, an absolute legend in a in a state full of coaching legends. Uh, but I mean, when you're coach of the year and a finalist for so many uh, years in a row, I mean, it's just amazing that uh, Tom McDaniel's the the kind of like uh, history that he carved and all the players that uh, he was able to impact. It goes along with kind of what Ricky was saying. The coaches are former players. And when they are now in that coaching realm, you see that the players really see how they're adored and they're taken care of oh, yeah. and, and the kind of uh, support system they have around them. So when they get older and they go through college or wherever co- education takes them, 
They come back to that area of Ohio so they can become coaches and they can replicate that system over and over again. And it's been going on for decades in Ohio. Yeah, and 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 uh, to circle it back to the Raiders and how they take care of their own. Uh, and and it is an alumni, much like a college or a university. And you're always welcome back. Um, as as Heidi was mentioning uh, just the other day, you know when you drive into the facility, uh, you see it. You know, once a Raider, always a Raider. When you leave the facility, that's the last thing you see is once a Raider, always a Raider. And it's not just words. Um, Ricky played a couple of what one season maybe for the Raiders mm-hmm. or a couple seasons for the Raiders. Um, it doesn't matter if you're here for one minute, one day, one year, or 15 years. Uh, if you came through this organization, you're going to be a part of this organization forever. Yeah, and it's uh, what would you wouldn't you love a football camp with that kind of mindset out oh, there, yeah. like pushing you to the furthest extent? You're like, hey, I paid some good money. I don't want. I just want to work, get a little bit of a sweat. I, <laughs> I don't want to be doing bear crawls because it sounds like bear crawls. Uh, Ricky Brown's going to have guys uh, working really hard, and nothing's going to be done. Uh, you know, half stepping out there. Yeah, and I, by the way, I didn't mention this, but I think they're seventh in the rank in the rank uh, recruiting rankings right now. Um, <sighs> you know, uh, they've got 20 recruits. Uh, last time I checked, and uh, and yeah, so they're making a kill right now Cincinnati is and and you wonder I think Luke's gonna stay there that's you know uh, it's near and dear to his heart I know his family loves that area uh, and it is a great area Cincinnati um, but you wonder if somebody comes calling like Ohio State or you know like Texas mm-hmm. at some point that's whoever right. it might be uh, whether that's enough to, to, to pull him out of there but uh, for now He's got things cooking. Sauce Gardner, um, you there know, uh, high draft pick from the New York Jets. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what did he, Ricky said there were seven players from Cincinnati that got drafted this, this year. No wonder they were in the in, in the in the football playoffs uh, this year. Um, so good things are happening uh, there, and uh, I'm not sure they'll ever overtake Ohio State. That's going to be hard to do, obviously. But they're uh, they've made their presence known in the great state of Ohio and nationally now. Oh, absolutely. And then that region, as we were trying to point out. You have Notre Dame, Ohio State, Michigan, you know, the blue bloods of college football, all the great players that come into that area. Uh, they they know what what that's all about. But yet you kind of have to get recruited to Cincinnati. And when you do and you see Nippert Stadium where they play, well, that stadium was built in 1903. Yeah. So you have to really have an amazing system and great coaches around you. And also having that uh, that bonus of having seven guys drafted in the NFL draft out of your program. That's how you also maintain that great success of recruiting to continue funneling the great wins and program there because it's hard to recruit in Cincinnati when you have all those other programs vying for the same guys. Miami of Ohio, by the way. Woody oh, yeah. Hayes, Bo Schembechler, Bo Schembechler <laughs> Eric Parsegian, Weeb Eubank, Paul Brown, Sid Gilman all had roots uh, at, at, at Miami <laughs> of Ohio. And when we talk about Paul Brown, he's the originator, basically, of, of the football success. You know, I mean, he literally got the Browns started, then said, all right, I'm going to go down to Cincinnati and get the Bengals started. Uh, the stadium is named after Paul, Paul Brown uh, Stadium. So um, it's just it's it's incredible when you look at the uh, at the names that have come out uh, of some of these schools. And obviously, uh, when you think about John Carroll University and everything mm-hmm. that they're doing, um, you know, in terms of pro football and even at the college and the high school level, uh, it's just tremendous. Vinny and I are going to step aside. We'll come back and hopefully we'll have a conversation with Asia Wilson. The Aces are in town on Saturday. They face the Washington Mystics at Michelob Ultra Arena. Seven o'clock, they tip it off. But the Aces, there isn't a hotter team in the nation right now. And hopefully Asia, Asia Wilson will we'll get a chance to talk to her at 930. But we'll ask her about what it's like to have these home crowds now with not only all the celebrities, but the fans really buying into this new program here on Raider Nation Radio. 
It's the morning tail. Stops her dribble 20 feet out, gives it to Asia in the low block. Asia working inside off the glass. Good. That's like cotton candy. Asia Wilson just toying around with Megabar and the rest of the Seattle storm right now. Oh, thanks to Aces Radio. T.C. Martin coming back here on Raider Nation Radio. The Aces are in town this Saturday against the Washington Mystics Michelob Ultra Arena at Mandalay Bay, 7 p.m. They tip it off. Get your tickets. AXS.com. Tickets start as low as $10. And joining us now is Asia Wilson. Las Vegas Aces, the MVP, the All-Star, the gold medalist, and NCAA champion here with us on r 920. Asia, thank you for joining us, and good morning to you. You know, i got to ask you, even with all the program success you had with South Carolina, you've been uh, on many starts that have been very successful to begin a season, but I'm sure even you have to be somewhat marveling at how you and the Aces have been able to do this all so far at 13-3 and heading into Saturday's game. Yeah, for sure. I think we, we caught a lot of people off guard, uh, probably including ourselves, of course, because we moved a lot of different pieces around and we gained, um, of course, Becky. But at the end of the day, I love my team. I love the court that we have, and um, I'm excited just to continue to keep playing. Asia, I knew you were going to be on the show uh, this morning, and I was thinking about a lot about you last night. I was watching the NBA draft, uh, and you saw a lot of dreams come true uh, with with young players, um, you know, uh, achieving you know a, a goal in, in their life. But you're living proof of uh, not just achieving that dream, but then taking that dream and turning it into a fabulous career. It's the next step of that process. If you had a chance to talk to uh, to all the great young players that were drafted last night uh, about the importance of this is one part of the journey, but the journey now is really just beginning. What would you say? Um, I think the biggest thing is people would tell me, like, it, it's great to get drafted, but the hard part is staying in the league. Uh, I think we see a lot of great players kind of fumble because they think that they've met, they're at their final destination because they got drafted. But, no, that's when the real hard work actually starts. Um, and that would be my biggest thing is, understand why they drafted you. I think I came here with Las Vegas with a blank book, and we got to write our own history, so I got kind of lucky, but I still never changed up who I was. I've always been myself, and I think that's the beauty of it. How important is it also to have everyone else on that same mindset because it seems as though that everyone is also doing everything they can, not only to maintain the success, but you're getting like an evolution of play. Do you feel that way right now? I know it's early in the season, but do, do you feel like there is some sort of uh, extra uh, nuance that's coming out in what Becky's been able to do with kind of going even further than what you've already had successfully so far in the WNBA? Yeah, definitely. I think Becky's pulled out a lot of different things from people because she was straight up with us. She was honest about what she wanted to do and how she was going to operate this system. And, uh, you know, when things are kind of right there in your face and you're a pro, you got to adapt and adjust. So, yeah, I think we are seeing an evolution. I think we're slowly starting to crack the code on things. But at the end of the day, we haven't won anything. <laughs> we still have to crack that code, but we're going to continue to try our best. Uh, Asia, you mentioned uh, uh, Coach Hammond um, being honest and frank. Uh, sometimes that means, um, you know, not necessarily criticism, but, you know, things that you need to improve on, things you need to work on uh, from, from an individual standpoint and a team standpoint. Uh, and then also being honest about this is what we want to do. This is what I want to do. This is how I want it, it, it to get done. And with that comes a buy-in from you guys, the players. Um, and it seems like that obviously has happened. But what was that key uh, for all of you to buy in as quickly as you have with Becky Hammond? I think, honestly, this comes from my core. I think we have such a veteran core right now, and we, we are pretty established in the league to where everyone knows exactly what we're going to get out of certain people. So I think 
once we kind of understood that, it was easy to buy into Becky because we we wanted to know what it takes to win. We want to know, figure that out so we can be at the top um, of this league. And I think we're slowly starting to see it. And we have our hiccups that we've yet to play a whole game where I'm like, okay, we got it. But, I mean, that's the whole process is just learning that. But I think it honestly comes from just the core of us understanding each other and playing alongside each other for a couple of years. Thasia Wilson from Las Vegas Aces this Saturday. Aces against the Washington Mystics. Get your tickets, AXS.com, 7 p.m. Saturday night. They tip it off. Tickets as low as $10. Bring the family to the Michelob Ultra Arena at Mandalay Bay. In the continuity you've had uh, already, is it shows that you know being able to play a couple years with somebody like Derek Hamby, for example, grabbing boards with you, it, it allows you to communicate so easily. And I love that, that part of your game, the way you communicate on the floor. What's that like to have the continuity of so many faces that you've been able to play with for the last couple seasons it's great it's great uh, i think but sometimes we get spoiled a little bit because we feel like we don't have to talk and we can read each other's minds because yeah. we've been together for so long so we get spoiled a little bit but um i think it's a great feeling just to know that we've kind of established a foundation here and just now pointing it in the right direction of where we need to go uh, Asia, uh, obviously, Title IX has been uh, in the news recently um, uh, with the anniversary of it uh, and the and the progress that women's sports at all levels uh, have made. Um, as you reflect in your in your own journey, um, and and, and in especially specifically, uh, what that ruling um, you know has meant not only to your career but so many other careers. What do you think about when you think about Title IX? Um. Ooh, honestly, I just think about how far we've come, yes, but the, how much more we have to work. Uh, I think we're just cracking that glass ceiling right. for the next generation to shatter, and, and it's tough. I mean, every day it seems like it's a battle for someone, and everyone's going through something. But at the end of the day, um, I'm blessed to be able to play the sport that I love um, and, and make a living out of it and show young girls that they are fully capable of doing the same. So. I always got to remember that I'm standing on the shoulder of giants and I'm just going to continue to plant seeds for others. Man, what, what were the examples like that you saw growing up with Title IX, especially when you came to South Carolina, that you saw kind of like a, a process of where a lot of players turned to becoming coaches because they wanted to keep that cycle going to making sure that uh, you can maintain the success in these programs, but also it bolsters the kind of level of play keeps getting better and better and better that you can't deny it. Oh, man, I think my first thing, thing was single-handedly being coached by John Staley, uh, someone that uh, really pivoted the WNBA. I mean, with the 96 Olympic team, that was a big move. So I think that right there, being coached by her and her kind of taking me through, that was my first eye-opener uh, of what Title IX really kind of helped in, in is allowing me to do, and that's in college. So if we can help girls notice um, a little quicker than I did in college, I think that's a, that's a big step right there. Asia, uh, obviously the, the 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 record is great, um, but you did mention there's been uh, a couple of hiccups here and there. Uh, one recently in the in the previous game, uh, you guys lost a, a big lead. Um, in that kind of a situation, uh, do you do you quickly flush that out uh, and just move on to the next game, or um, could it be used for something positive? Uh, definitely used for something positive. I think we needed a game like we did, uh, even though it sucked being on that the wrong side of it. But I think we needed that. I think we needed that to feel that again. Sometimes you got to be humbled because a lot of things get disguised when you're winning. <laughs> so when you can get a loss like that, especially I would much rather have it now than in October. <laughs> uh, it, it's something good to have. So it sucks, yeah, but at the end of the day, uh, we're going to the gym again and we're going to work on it so we don't ever have another game like that. But sometimes you got to let it sting and, and 
realize that this league is hard. Hey, could you describe what it's like, the kind of crowds and support you're getting here, home in Las Vegas? Because you've, uh, the, the the crowds really embrace themselves to you. Everyone really loves watching the Aces and you perform. And it's something that we're starting to see that it pervades even further, where you guys like Tom Brady, uh, as well as Raiders like Darren Waller, are going to the games and you see them in the crowds. What's that like for you to see that kind of support? It's huge. I mean, the support is, is incredible here in Las Vegas, and it's been this way since my rookie year and just watching the growth of our fan base and the community really come out night in and night out. It's amazing. Like I wish I could describe the energy. It's just one of those things where you got to take a chance to come out and watch us because it's a different type of feel. Like you just feel the energy. Everyone's constantly cheering. It's loud as heck. Oh my God. It's so loud. Um, and I love it. Uh, that's what fuels us. A lot of people probably don't understand our fans are our six fans. So, uh, we greatly appreciate them and just the just the heart of Las Vegas behind us 100%. There's no doubt about that, and I've been to a few games now, and uh, the energy is uh, unbelievable. But i got to say, you guys, and I know that the fans do play their role, and without question, uh, they do, uh, but it also comes from you guys. You guys put on a great show uh, out there, and it's easy to buy in and feed off of that uh, with what you guys uh, have created. So uh, congratulations on that as well, because you guys have definitely played your role in that environment. Uh, but you mentioned earlier um, getting over the hump, and that's always th- th- those inches that are needed to go from really good to the best um, are sometimes the hardest inches to overcome. Uh, but from your guys' perspective, understanding what the ultimate goal is, but also the process uh, that still has to unfold to get there, uh, is that what the focus becomes? Instead of like rushing toward that goal, taking the necessary steps to get there. Yes, for sure. Um, Becky said the first thing that she, when she got the job, was we're going to play the right way, um, and that's what it is. And she makes sure that we understand that uh, it doesn't matter if we win by fifty or five. Uh, even if we lose, she's always like, if it's not a good way, she's going to let us know. So I think it's very necessary that we take the steps that are needed to make sure that we are in control of our own destiny, uh, no matter what's going on around us. Well, Asia, we wish you the very best Saturday against the Mystics, but also thank you for taking time out with us today. And we look again to talk to you very soon as the season progresses. Yeah, thank you guys so much. Thank you. Have a good one. Appreciate it. Asia Wilson here with us from the Las Vegas Aces. Don't forget, Saturday, 7 p.m., they tip it off at Michelob Ultra Arena at Mandalay Bay. Tickets start at $10. AXS.com. Bring the family. It's a fantastic event. And you're going to find, if you haven't been already, you're going to find what an experience that is at that arena. They put about $10 million extra to kind of refurbish it to make it more of a uh, home court advantage. But the, the the level of play on the court, it's an absolute machine right there that's happening in the Aces. And it's a progression from where they were when they uh, came here uh, from uh, San Antonio. But you can see right now, this is a different team on the court. And I, I love watching it. It's it's great. And Asia is doing such a fantastic job uh, as like really a captain. But, you know, communicating oh. with everybody, having uh, and, and all the continuity is back. I mean, uh, they're, they're leading the league in scoring, but it's the defense, too. It's just an absolutely well-rounded team. There is so much talent on that team. Uh, you you said it. It's a machine right now. Uh, when you talk about all the uh, Kelsey Plum, uh, Chelsea Gray, uh, Asia, uh, and on and on and on. And what, I, what I've enjoyed watching them play is sometimes when you get a lot of great players, I mean, obviously you want as many good players as possible, but there could be, um, you know, uh, an imbalance sometimes in personal agendas, what players want to do, where they want to be, their numbers, all of that. Uh, Somehow, some way, Becky's been able to um, cultivate 
an environment where uh, if you just do the right things, the right things are going to happen for you individually. And that's absolutely the case. I think they've still got um, three players that are scoring double dig- d- digits, or I can't remember mm-hmm. how many, but but they're leading the league in that. They're leading the league in everything, uh, and it's a collective effort, and everybody's getting theirs and contributing, and uh, that always creates a great environment, and i got to give Becky Hammond a lot of credit for that, and also the players for buying in, because there still is some sacrifice going on. Oh, big time, and uh, you know, even though they lost uh, you know, the last game against the Sky, by the first quarter, they already set a WNBA record for 41 points scored in one single quarter. Uh, by halftime, five players were in double digits in scoring. <laughs> I, like I, I it right think, now. Yes, exactly. And uh, I, I'm, I'm actually with Asia. I think that was a good loss. I mean, I hate to say that a loss is a good loss. Uh, but they, but it was going so good, even in that game. Yeah. You know, it wasn't just like a sloppy performance from beginning to end where you just kind of flush it. They were riding high in that game, um, uh, setting some records along the way. And then all of a sudden, um, they did the dreaded maybe take the foot off the gas a little bit uh, and get a little bit complacent and a little bit satisfied. And it, it bit them on the leg, and they suffered a loss as a result. Sometimes you need that to kind of reset it a little bit. And also to understand what the consequences are of not playing from beginning to end um, with the right type of attitude, with the right type of cohesion and all those type of things. So better now than down the road. It's Vinny. I'm Clay here on Radio Nation Radio. Thanks again to Asia Wilson and the Las Vegas Aces. We're going to step aside and come back and talk NFL injuries with Dr. Shaw here on the morning tailgate. Let's go. I'm going to have to kick you, you know what, today. We're heading inside the tent with an injury update from the Las Vegas Raiders. And of course, when we hear that intro, we go out to uh, the Raider Nation Radio guest line uh, and welcome in this week our good friend, Dr. Stephen Shaw from the Neuropathy and Pain Center uh, of Las Vegas. And before we get to the good doctor, I uh, just want to let everybody know that, look, there's nothing worse than living in chronic pain uh, with little hope. Uh, and, and the thing is, far too many of us are, are in that predicament, whether it's ourselves or loved ones, friends, colleagues, classmates, whatever the case might be. There are people that are living in pain uh, and they feel hopeless uh, about that pain. Well, the Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas offers genuine relief from even the most severe and persistent forms of pain. They're there to help you. Uh, and basically, it's just a call away. So please call their office today, book or book an appointment online to find out how to live as pain free a life as possible. Their phone number is 702 257 7246. That's 702. 702- Two five seven seven two four six. Doctor Shaw, how are we doing this week? Doing great, Benny. How are you? I am doing good, uh, but uh, unfortunately, somebody who's not doing so good right now is Dodgers outfielder Mookie Betts. We have a lot of listeners, um, you know, uh, on the station that uh, that are big Dodger fans, and Mookie Betts is one of the best players uh, in baseball, and arguably the best player. Uh, on the Dodgers. He means a lot to them. It's a heated race with the uh, Padres and Giants and the NL West. Uh, and unfortunately, the Dodgers are not going to have Mookie Bettis' services for a little while. Uh, he yeah. suffered a cracked rib um, last Saturday, and he did so in a outfield collision uh, with Cody Bellinger. They were both chasing a fly ball, and uh, we can sometimes go back to our Little League days, even in the major leagues, where somebody doesn't hear somebody uh, and two guys run into each other. Uh, it's an awful situation. We see it from year to year where, where it just happens. Uh, and it's the worst thing that you can see in terms of the collision. And you just kind of hold your breath and, and keep your fingers crossed that everybody uh, gets up healthy. Well, in this case, Dr. Shah, uh, Mookie Bettis suffered a cracked rib. Uh, and I can only imagine 
uh, Dr. Shaw, as a baseball yep. player, a cracked rib has got to be, um, you know, there's a lot of bad injuries, no doubt. But, but boy, I'll tell you what, with swinging the bat and running and catching balls and throwing uh, the baseball, that's got to be up there in terms of uh, painful injuries. Yeah, you know, I mean, swinging a baseball bat, throwing a ball, sliding into a base, uh, I mean, that's it. It's tough enough doing it when you're healthy, but you know, with a cracked rib, it's yeah. Um, and from a personal standpoint, I've I've had my own cracked ribs, and just simply breathing <laughs> becomes a, a very laborious, and uh, it feels like somebody's stabbing you in your flank or side area every time you take a deep breath or try. If you, God forbid, you try and sleep on that side, it's it's excruciating. So. Yeah, it's it's normally a uh, conservative care, so it's a it's six to eight weeks normally. That's when all fractures start to callus and heal on their own. But it's literally hurry up and wait. That's that's all you can do is for the the body to mend itself. And there is a waiting period, and it's a good idea not to really go testing the waters on that because with a cracked rib, it's very susceptible to cracking even further. Yeah, I was going to ask you that, Dr. Shaw. Um, cracked rib, fractured rib, broken rib. Uh, for, for, for people like myself uh, who might not know the difference, what is the difference? Well, I, you know, if you can imagine uh, like a number two pencil and you're holding it in both hands and you start to bend it and you can hear it start to crack. I mean, think of your ribs in the same capacity and if you put enough pressure on it, that pencil will snap in half and so will the ribs. Uh, but they're all equally as painful, and uh, and like I said, the, the unfortunate thing is there's not much you can do about it, and you really have to avoid uh, agitating it, even with normal day-to-day stuff like sitting, laying down, uh, and certainly sports is, is not a good idea. I'm not saying that they can't, and you know I hate to say throughout the years I've, I've treated a number of MMA fighters, and those guys are a little bit different class because uh, they... <laughs> I happen to say, I'll say that I, I happen to know a few of them that have fought with broken ribs and wasn't a good idea. You can do it, but it certainly limits your chance of being successful. Now, and here's the thing with that, Dr. Shaw, and you brought up a good point, you know, as, as an MMA fighter, um, you know, that's going to come down maybe to, you know, just being able to, to withstand it for one night, for three rounds of a, of a yeah. match. Uh, for for someone like a, a Mookie Bettis, you've got half of a season to play now. Um, and yep. so it, it's not just doing it for one night. It's the next day, the day after that, the day after that. How problematic can that be? Um, very, very problematic. You know, it's, it's funny. I'm reminded uh, of a story of uh, 2020, and I'm pretty sure this is how the Chargers quarterback, Justin Aber got his start. Uh, Tyrod Taylor was starting, and I think he had a, a cracked rib. And to try and mitigate that, the, the team doctors uh, tried to give him a lidocaine injection. Yeah. And if I remember the story correctly, they punctured a lung. And yes. uh, that, that's uh, where Justin Aver got his start. So, that, yeah. you know, even, even if you try to mitigate it with uh, something conservative like a lidocaine injection, there's always risks involved. So that's what I mean is it's just, it's just a matter of waiting it out and, and letting the body heal. Okay, uh, and I know that we don't have the x-rays, we don't have all of the details, but especially for somebody that is, is uh, you know, let's say Mookie Bettis gives it the, the, the normal time. He said that he's hoping that it's going to be a couple of weeks. Uh, that yeah. feels ambitious uh, to me, um, but, you know, uh, people people heal differently and uh, more rapidly. I, I, think, I think history has shown that. Uh, but the fact is, 
swinging a baseball bat like we talked about. Can you do? I mean, like like that. It's almost. I, I wouldn't say it's a, a, a violent action, but to to keep up with a ninety five mile an hour fastball, you have to sure. really swing the bat fast and hard. Sure, that's called that's called torsion. In other words, yes. and if you can if you can imagine like wringing out a dish rag. Uh, you know, in both hands. That's essentially what he's doing with his upper torso is creating torsional force. And every time he does that, he's squeezing down on the rib cage. And like we talked about, the number two pencil is just adding more and more pressure to it with, with, you know, the susceptibility of it cracking further. So it's probably not a good idea. I'm not saying he can't do it. And maybe they've got him on a special regimen of taking uh, 50% effort swings or who knows. Uh, maybe there's a plan for him to help mitigate it. But uh, overall, uh, you know, unless he has uh, super X-Man powers, uh, all people, whether you're an athlete or not, it's six to eight weeks before it's fully calloused. Yeah, no no doubt about it. Uh, and that's, you know, unfortunately, that's a whole lot of baseball games missed right there. And when you're Correct. in the heat of a pennant chase, um, that could add up really, really quickly. And then there's always the, you know, the 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 time that's lost, especially in a precision sport like baseball, where you could fall in and out of, um, you know, uh, a hot streak in a, in a hurry. And, and correct. Yeah. And all, all athletes are susceptible to it. And I'll tell you, even yeah, rib contusions or a contusion is just defined as a, as a bruise. So a, a bone bruise on the ribs is equally as painful as a fracture. And again, I've suffered those myself. Now, even, you know, coming in at two in the morning and bumping into the coffee table, you get a rib rib contusion, and those suckers will let, will linger around for four to six weeks. You know, doing your normal day to day stuff. So the ribs are very sensitive area, and you know, for for athletes to continue training with an injury there, it it takes a toll. Um, but you know, the, again, they are driven, and and they will do what they can to keep competing. No doubt about it. We're talking to Stephen, Dr. Stephen Shaw from the Neuropathy and Pain Center uh, of Las Vegas. Please give them a call if you're dealing with any sort of pain or know somebody that is uh, at 702-257-7246. Before we let you uh, out uh, uh, for the week, uh, Dr. Shaw, I get this question quite a bit. Um, neuropathy. What, what, are we, what is that when we, when we say neuropathy? Well, the neuropathy is a condition of the nerves, uh, and it can result in different types of symptoms. So typically, uh, neuropathy will extend into your arms or into your legs. You don't really ever have a neuropathy in your spinal area or, or along your back, but it typically extends outward into your limbs. And that can either be things like pain, it could be tingling, it could be numbness, or it could be a combination of all three. But it's, it's the nerves being compromised either at the level of the spine, meaning you have some injury at the spine that's causing a neuropathy into your limbs, or you've damaged or injured the nerves somewhere along the chain of the limbs. So if you, for example, a, uh, you know, uh, an injury at the wrist could wind up with, car uh, someone can wind up with carpal tunnel syndrome. That is a neuropathy of the median nerve. The median nerve innervates your thumb, your index finger, and your, your middle finger. So neuropathy is basically just defined as an injury or a condition of the nerves out into your limbs. And uh, for, you know, we, we sometimes sit the wrong way or, or we sleep the wrong way and we get that tingly uh, sensation um, in, in various points of our body. At what point um, should you should you, you start thinking about maybe making a call, um, you know, when it comes to, to that tingling sensation? 
Well, I, I'd say if it becomes more the norm than not, you know, uh, as human beings, we should be able to sit without having neuropathy-like symptoms. We should be able to stand or walk or do normal day-to-day activities without having those symptoms. But when it becomes the norm with your normal activities, then it's time to make a call and let us figure it out for you. All right. And that number is 702-257-7246. Dr. Stephen Shaw, thank you so much for your thank time. You, uh you, you got it. Hopefully, uh, Mookie Bettis uh, was listening and, and heeds the advice. Uh, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you next week. Go Raiders, go Knights. Thank you very much. That was Stephen Shaw, Dr. Stephen Shaw from the Neuropathy and Pain Center of Las Vegas. Give them a call, 702-257-7246. Thanks again to Dr. Shaw here on Raider Nation Radio. Well, we're out of time for the morning tailgate. We'll catch you back on Monday. You find our podcast up online at lvsportsnetwork.com, Amazon, Audible, and of course, iTunes each and every day. For Vinny Bonsignore, I'm Clay Baker. Have a great weekend, everybody. Hey, guys. It's your boy, Vinny B. from Raider Nation Radio in the huddle. Guys, I've been talking for months now about TAT, an affordable quality CBD cigarette. Well, good news. All TAT products are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas. That's right. TAT products, all of them, are now available at all Speedy Marts across Las Vegas.